0: Welcome to Room for Growth,
1: a Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher.
0: Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started,
1: there's plenty of room to grow.
0: Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's fing grow. Hey everybody! Welcome to this week's episode of Room for Growth. Glad to have you here. Glad to be back today. We have a couple of awesome guests for you. We are bringing on two marketing leaders from OHLQ, which stands for Ohio Liquor. They are part of a governor public private partnership um, that helps promote safe consumption of liquor in the state of Ohio. It's a really interesting brand. We're going to be at the cross section of a regulated markets and how you create a really good user experience, a good customer experience, when the product that you are selling is A, regulated and controlled, and B, you are in charge of not just promoting that product and the sale of it, but also how do you promote the sale safely? It's not about getting people to consume an unlimited amount of your liquor products. It's about getting them to enjoy those products safely to understand where they come from, to understand where they can find them, etc. So some really interesting marketing challenges um, that we'll talk through with our guests. In addition to that, we're going to talk about just the changing landscape of marketing more broadly. I think today it's no surprise that if you have marketing in your title, it could mean many, many different things. Being a marketing executive, a marketing strategist, a marketing leader could mean that you're immersed in a single channel. Maybe all you do in your career is social media and you stay in that space. Or maybe you're only doing paid media. But conversely, I think we're seeing more and more marketing professionals who are at this real intersection of company operations. They have to worry about things like supply chain and delivery timeframes for different products. They have to be super concerned with what the logistics are within their business because we all know that there's no point in sending good marketing messaging on top of a really bad customer experience. Amazon has, of course, really shifted and shaped the way that we think about what it means to have a good consumer experience, especially through digital channels. We expect to be informed about when our product will reach our house or where it'll be delivered to, where we can pick it up, how we can keep that process easy. And we expect ongoing communication about what we can do as a follow-up step or the receiving process. All of these things have to really like work hand-in-hand hand to create that proper user experience So for our guests today, they're going to talk a lot about how supply chain issues and the inability to really understand where some of their different types of liquor were sitting and where you could find them in the state sort of plagued their brand, made it impossible to do anything marketing related until they really fixed an underlying technology challenge they had that was like sort of ground zero for them. Um, really interesting from just their perspective, how they came up in their careers, what they care about, what they're focused on. They've got really different measurement goals than what we typically talk about. And I think the way that they have a brain shift around what it means to be in charge of a brand and to be a marketer is really fun, full of applied lessons. So we'll talk through that. And then... One thing that sparked for me when we were talking to Lorraine and Kristen is just this notion that sometimes marketers should be better about sending messages where the only purpose of that message is to provide some value in the content of it. So this week's challenge, I think this week's thought starter is for your brand, what could you be doing in terms of the content quality that you deliver or the use cases that you're focused on? to add some touch points where the purpose is not to get people to click through. It's not necessarily to drive a direct conversion, but it's to deliver a delight moment simply for the sake of delight. So for Ohio liquor, a lot of the content that they provide that's working really well for their brand is recipes. They send out a full recipe just in the body of an email. For example, they tell you how to make a cocktail and a mocktail You don't have to click through to their blog or to their website. You can just get that content right in the body of the email itself. It is this really delightful user experience. It's so refreshing. And it's such a paradigm break to even see a brand doing that because we're all so used to getting a snippet or like the title of a recipe. Then you have to click through to a blog. Then you have to scroll through 500 words of like explainer text before you finally just arrive at the content that you want. I'm not saying this is always appropriate. There are, of course, times, and as marketers, we have been fully trained to get people to click on the ad, click on the social media post, click on the email, click through. That's how we measure success. And I'm I'm not trying to say that's a terrible thing. But there is so much benefit to the messages that have a different tone to them. Again, we bring up this Delta example a lot, or this airline example, that just when an airline warns you that you should be at your gate because your flight's about to board or because your suitcase was put on a plane... It just has this moment where it quiets the soul. You feel taken care of by that brand. You feel supported. I think there are so many moments that we're missing as marketers in this obsessed world of click-through rate, of conversion rate optimization, to just take a step back and think, not in everything that we do, but can I think of like three instances where I could create content where the value I was providing was just that content itself. So that's a challenge I'm puzzling over right now for our clients. Um, It's something that I challenge our listeners to think through for your own brand as well. What might those moments be for your users? What are the opportunities there? But then otherwise, I'm super excited to get to our guests. They are awesome. They're super vibrant and fun. We had a blast in this interview. I think you're going to catch on to their energy, even if you can't see them on screen. So without further ado, we are going to introduce Lorraine Terry, Manager Director of OHLQ, and Kristen Castle, the Director of Brand and Marketing Strategy for OHLQ.
1: All right, Lorraine and Kristen, welcome to Room for Growth. I'm so excited. I've known both of you for a little bit, and I'm so excited now to, to share your awesome knowledge and fun personalities with our listeners. Before we get too far, because I've got a load of questions for you, would love to just have you introduce yourselves. Lorraine, why don't you go start and tell our listeners about yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lorraine Terry, Managing Director for Jobs Ohio Beverage System, which is the Private portion of a really cool model we're going to tell your listeners about, but I represent the private nonprofit half of the Ohio Liquor brand. And
3: I am Kristen Castle. I am the public side of this unique partnership. I am the um, director of brand and marketing strategy for Ohio Liquor.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. And with that, You know, I think some people might be listening and thinking, Ohio Liquor, who's that? Is that a private company? Is that part of the state of Ohio? Like, what is this? Is this a big company? And I got to say, the first time we've been working together now for a couple of years, when I started to dig into it, like, wow, this is really interesting. But Ohio Liquor is big in terms of the impact and the revenue that's generated, is really, really impressive. Can you tell us, Lorraine, a little bit about, in the best kind of way you can, how this partnership is structured between the state? and Ohio liquor?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it is a one of a kind. There is no other state or entity like us in the country. But really, what we are is a public-private partnership that manages the sale and distribution of Spiritus Liquor. So that's anything with more than 42 proof in the state of Ohio. Ohio is known as what is called a control state Simply put, that means that the revenue from the sale of that product is controlled. It goes to a specific purpose, a specific cause. There are 17 other states and one county, just (laughs) like us in the United States. But here in Ohio, what we do with that revenue, after all the bills are paid, after all the suppliers have been paid for the product that we sell on their behalf, after operations have been covered, profit from the sale of liquor actually creates jobs in Ohio. So we take all of the profit. We grant profit to Jobs Ohio, which is a private nonprofit that manages the economic development for the entire state. So I don't know if your listeners may have heard of a small project called Intel coming to the Midwest. Intel is a direct result of 490 Spiritus liquor stores selling product and profit bringing in jobs, keeping jobs and growing Ohio.
0: If- there's one thing that I understand about Ohio, and keep in mind I am relatively familiar with the state of Ohio, but I don't live there certainly like the three of you do. But here's what I know. Ohio people love Ohio. Talk to me for a second, what drives such extreme state loyalty in Ohio?
3: Well, for me, um growing up in a small town just south of Columbus and being an Ohio State grad, it's personal, it's emotional. Ohio is the best Midwest state. Everyone is friendly. Once you're a Buckeye, you are always a Buckeye Billy. So that allegiance, that loyalty runs deep. It runs deep for me and I know it runs deep for Lorraine too. Yeah.
2: True story. Intel chose Ohio for collaboration, friendship, partnership because it didn't wasn't just one entity that brought this major corporation to the Midwest of Ohio. It was One entity partnering with state government, just like we do, partnering with local municipalities, partnering with local economic development regions. So really that like sums up what Ohio is. Mm. It's a huge opportunity to work together. We all really are friendly, quite friendly. Mm -hmm. We really just want the best for everybody. There's a lot of family So you may leave the state, you definitely come back. I did, I left for 13 years, I came back. But I think Intel probably said it best, it came down to partnerships and collaboration that really just, they knew they could find a home here. They knew they could be successful here because of that.
0: You may not know the answer to this, but if I recall, I think Ohio is also unique because Columbus in particular is a city that has a much higher than average rate of new businesses coming in to try to sell their products in Ohio as a test market because the population is so similar to the makeup of the U.S. I think I made part of what I just set up, but I'm curious if you have <laughs> truth to it.
2: I think we've been hearing this, this yes. since we were yes. in the school here in Ohio is that like you can test market. I don't want to get this wrong, but I know you had the gentleman formerly that may have created the McRib. But I think the McRib was like a test market in Ohio. And if it could succeed in Columbus, it could succeed anywhere. We've been told this all of our lives. Like Ohio really does make up this perfect test market environment. So yeah, it's quite a diverse location. We've got more food than I think people give us credit for. More pizza than I think people well, a give lot us of credit pizza. for. There's a, a lot, lot of, lot pizza, of pizza, pizza And but, ice cream. I feel like we have a lot, oh, of, ice a lot cream, of ice cream too. So it comes down to in major universities. Yes. I mean, when we talk about Ohio State, when we talk about, Cincinnati and Cleveland, there are just some major research uh, facilities here. There are people come in, they come to get educated, they stay.
0: Makes sense. Okay. But we will not fact check that part, just to be clear. We may have just said folklore. It might be true.
2: It might be true. (laughs) Maybe we've been lying (laughs) to our whole lives, but it might be true. (laughs) But we're here.
3: So clearly, (laughs) it's working. It's working.
1: (laughs) Enough about ice cream, pizza, and fast food. I want to talk about liquor. Um, And so, in all seriousness, you know yeah we would be crazy if we brought on a couple experts from the liquor industry and did not talk a little bit about alcohol and and so want to just get into some fun stuff can you tell us like what trends are you seeing in the alcohol industry over the past couple years there's a couple that are on our minds that we want to ask you about but in general are there trends in the digital digital marketing space that you're starting to see pop up that is catching your brain a little bit
2: Well, so spirit-wise, bourbon and tequila, you're not going to go very far without talking about either one of those categories. Technology-wise and for the spirits industry, it's become online. It's become e-commerce. It's become a shopping experience, a digital shopping Mm -hmm. experience, not just brick and mortar, which is the traditional way you would shop for a spirit. CRM, which I know Willow Tree knows a thing or two about in our world. But for growth, for an industry that has had its ups and downs, has had... I would say slow growth. I think it's the online, it's the online shopping experience, mm-hmm. it's learning about spirits online, it's bringing a distillery experience. To you in your home. Not everybody can get to Kentucky. Ohio, we're lucky. We can get down to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. We can tour a distillery. We can check out, you know, the best of the bourbon world coming out of Kentucky or here in Ohio. But if you can't get there, it's how do you educate the consumer on that history and that heritage and how it was made? It all matters. So, storytelling, education, all online. I would say, too, our market with what we can bring into Ohio,
3: you know, creating a desirable marketplace for suppliers to bring their products in. So like Lorraine said, education, awareness, but availability and selection. Like Lorraine said, people love their bourbon. They love it a lot. Um, They get very upset when they can't find their favorite. But we try to encourage that consumer exploration. Look to the left, look to the right of the shelves, because we bring in some really, really great products for folks to enjoy and telling them about them is is part of that success.
0: I feel like this is jumping ahead just a little bit. And I'm going to want to come back to some of these trend questions. But I feel like right now is a really good chance to ask you um, just some specifics about how you sell alcohol and how you position yourselves um, in terms of the marketing that you actually take on. So to be clear, OHLQ doesn't have e-commerce today. You are selling through retail locations primarily. But talk about how you view your role as marketers. What are you really marketing? And then are you more B2B? Are you more direct to consumer? How do you position yourself? Yes. Yes
3: to all of that, Billy. I think first we, as Lorraine had mentioned, the CRM, the email marketing, that really provided us with a great avenue to speak to consumers about what we sell, how we sell it, and what else you can do other than enjoy. We also promote hosting tips. We promote, I mean, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about mocktails and the whole social responsibility aspect of what we do, which is very, very important in this business. I mean, it is our, as we say, it's our license to operate. So I think for the most part, we talk to our consumers about what we have and how you can enjoy it responsibly. But then we also have, we communicate with our liquor stores quite often. You know, every Monday we have a message that goes out to them to let them know, you know, any sort of guidelines that we've got, actually anything we're doing on the marketing side, too, trying to keep them informed um, what we're sharing with our customers so that if a customer goes into a store or a location, rather, that the agency is not caught off, that we're all kind of on the same page in terms of, what, of what's going on in, in the
2: business. Mm-hmm. Our focus has been omni-channel marketing to that point. And so as we've added channels, we've always had to keep in mind that we are mostly brick and mortar. Online is coming, but we use our online presence to educate to drive the door swings.
1: Would it be safe to say the retail stores, from big box to kind of mom and pop liquor stores, are somewhat similar to like a franchisee franchisor model? As I know, it's not truly structured that way, and so you're at the corporate level really trying to build programs, storytelling aspects to support those quote unquote franchisees at the ground level. Is that a fair kind of simple version of it?
2: Yes, that's a very fair, very simple version of it. We'll also say shop and shop. We are a portion of another business's total business. So we just take up a space that they basically say, this is the space I will give to liquor sales. And the rest of their space is beer, wine, chips, jerky, all the other convenience items or in a large grocery, it's literally the rest of the grocery store. So great example. We try, and this is pretty new for us. Ohio liquor is new. Like Ohio liquor as a brand didn't exist until 2018. Prior to that, the locations that sell our liquor, they are retailers. They are the professionals in their own right. So here we are just kind of saying, but we can help make it better. So here's a brand, here's suggested flooring, here's suggested shelving that makes the bottles look the best they can look. It's been a new opportunity for us with the brand is to infuse that brand into those stores.
0: So you brought up mocktails, which I think is a really interesting trend right now. Non-alcoholic spirits are making quite a splash. There are all kinds of celebrities bringing products to market, including Katy Perry and Blake Lively, JJ Watt. releasing these drink lines. Is this matter in your world? Like did these types of trends, especially those that fall in the mocktail world, what kind of impact do they have at OHLQ?
3: We have a huge responsibility to include folks that can't or choose not to drink. And one way we do that is by creating mocktail recipes and promoting them on our website. You know, I think the ironic part about Blake Lively is that she's married to somebody who actually has a gin line. And so I find that balance, that's just indicative of the reality. So I think mocktails, yes, um, that's one avenue. In addition to mocktails, we also promote ways you can cook with high proof spirits. There's more than one way you can communicate to folks that choose not to or cannot drink. And I think inclusion is a very big part of what we do, just making sure everybody feels like they can enjoy social settings, even if they choose to work or can't drink.
1: Yeah. What I think is so cool is it would be so easy for in a lot of when I travel, I'm on vacation or something, and it's a a controlled state. Some of those experiences feel very almost as close to government cold as you could kind of expect where it's not real. There's no brand. I'm walking in kind of this uh, building that has like bars on the front. It, It feels odd. What's really cool about the way that the brand that you all have built, I mean, it's right there behind you for those that can see. There's a a modern brand feel to it. You talked about some of those in-store experiences. And then you're layering that on with stories stories and recipes that make this really what liquor is, at least to a lot of people. It's more than just drinking. It's having people over, hosting a party, embracing in community. And it seems like you guys have really, really embraced that what are the ways that you're telling that story? So you mentioned floor. I know the answers to some of this. Uh, So email, video. Can you tell me a little bit about the way this story is starting to come to life with this, as you mentioned, Lorraine, new brand?
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's grown tremendously even in the past year. Mm -hmm. So we relaunched our website and we went from pretty utilitarian to what it is today, right? Which is exactly what you said, Billy. It's like meant to be the site where you could just sip and enjoy and be social and come and find something for everybody. We've added additional social media channels. We added Instagram this year and made that a really beautiful side of our brand, really, um, focusing on photography and education and bringing again, more about the stories of distillers and the story of brands to Instagram. Um, we still have Facebook. We do use Facebook frequently to communicate and tell the story. When it comes to the brand in the stores, and the shop and shop experience, all the other pieces are driving you there. So you get an email and in your email, it says um, coming soon to Ohio or new to Ohio or perhaps an exclusive offering. You're going to go to the store. We want you to know where it is, how to get there, what time they open. You know, a little bit about the store, even, and then that you're going to find that product there and you're going to see our brand present there as well. So, really, we've grown from hey, we just don't want to say Jobs Ohio Beverage System in the Division of Liquor Control. We just want to say something super simple to a retail brand.
0: I know this is easy for me to brag about because, in part, it is my teams who get to work on the email strategy and execution for OHLQ. But I often open the OHLQ emails and I'm so excited by the content strategy of those messages because you all get to do something unique, I think, that so many brands don't get to, which is you get to structure content that's truly rich just within the email itself. So for instance, you put whole recipes in there. You don't have to click through. You don't have to scroll through 500 words of backstory just to get the recipe. It's there. Or you recently just did emails where you had links to Spotify... Playlists that had like an evening time sort of playlist that you could listen to to enjoy a barbecue or a daytime playlist for sort of your daytime event. Like really fun, rich content where the point of it is not to click through. It's not to necessarily drive a conversion. Of course, they're all like optimized to that. But I take a lot of lessons from the OHLQ emails just to remember how often as marketers can we be pushing ourselves to put richer content just within the body of what we're sending and how much value does that have in it in terms of brand sentiment. What are you all liking about your email strategy? How are you feeling about it? What's working well? What's resonating?
3: I love our email team. I think when Lorraine told me that we were going to be, this is something we were looking into as a brand, I thought this is fantastic. I mean, what better way to reach people than email, but it also gives them the option of what they want to receive. So not only is the content, Billy, like you said, beautiful and rich, but it's toned appropriately. The frequency is right. And the audience that we were targeting, I think people, me personally, I don't want to ever feel like I'm getting spammed. And that was definitely from the onset, something we wanted those emails to be thoughtful. I mean, wanted them to be purposeful. And by giving folks an option, if you just want recipes and lifestyle content, that's all we'll send you. If you just want to know about bottle lotteries and exclusives and new products, then the whiskey bulletins for you. So not only is the content beautiful and wonderful, but it's the tone and the frequency and just knowing your audience and knowing what they want.
0: Yeah, that's true. I forget that you all did something that oftentimes brands wait on and y'all did first, which is how do we put preference back to our consumers? How do we give them choice in what we send them? I think oftentimes brands overthink personalization because personalization is hard and they tend to base it on behaviors and actions, which is a great way to personalize. Don't get me wrong, but it's just as easy to ask people what they want to receive and then just honor that choice. And y'all did that first.
2: I would add that the partnership we have drove that decision, Mm -hmm. Billy, because intentional transparency is like the reason government exists, right? We want government to help keep us safe, keep us permitted, keep us straight, you know, all the things that it was meant to do. And here it worked out so well because we just intentionally went about making Mm -hmm. sure that Ohioans knew right up front, you choose, it's your choice what you want to hear from us. We didn't buy your email. We didn't sell your data. So I think that's just one really awesome part of this partnership is we just are intentionally transparent about what we're doing.
3: And that's a really great point, Lorraine. I mean, when we launched the resubscription is what I'll call it and giving people the option to even sign up to get the emails. Like Lorraine said, we didn't just pull all the emails that we had from a, from a prior system, you know, we've had great success even asking people like, Hey, I hope you don't mind. This might take a second, but I mean, we had 20,000 new users, I think within the first month of our subscribers rather within the first month. I mean, our click through rate for the industry is upwards of like 80 to 90%. I mean, we're having great success. And I think with the old system, we had not great information. And we just, you know, we had these contacts that, you know, may or may not have really wanted this, but these are folks that want the content. So the numbers may not be through the roof, but I'm okay with that because it's people that actually are enjoying what they're receiving and sticking around and clicking through and doing all the, all the things that we would hope that they would do. All the things things. things. (laughs) they're liking it all. So
0: (laughs) Totally. I'll let Billy get in, but you can brag. You guys have the (laughs) highest industry performance rates of any industry I have ever seen in terms of open rate is the highest, click-through rate is the highest, the way people are engaging with your content. And then even the way people are citing how they ended up walking into your retail locations. Email is having a really clear influence. Like I think we learned that Well, tell that, do you remember the stat off the top of your head when you were surveying how many people said they showed up in a retail location because of email in particular?
2: Mm -mm. No, I don't remember that. We've got stories. I mean, I don't have the hard facts on that. But one great example is we did a bottle signing with a distiller, actually the grandson of two legendary distillers. And people in the store were from Chicago, Pennsylvania. And the question was, how did you get here? How did you find out about this? Two answers, right? One email, they flat out said, either I was forwarded or I'm already following. And two, we can't get this product here. We can't get this where we came from. So anecdotal, uh, hard facts. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't recall, but um, anecdotally, it's got some reach.
1: That's a, a good transition. To a question I wanted to jump in, which is just like brand obsession, brand love, kind of you, we hear like brand cults, Those those kinds of things. An app that I've talked a lot about, I love talking about it, is the Nike sneakers app where people are just flocking to get this unique uh, pair of of Jordans or, you know, one of our other clients, White Castle, opens up a location, their first location on the West Coast and people wait in line for three days or something just crazy that's hard to, uh, to, hard to imagine. You all have that a lot with, I know bourbon is a big piece, but exclusive kind of bottles that are hard to get access to. I think all marketers would aspire to have that, but come on, it's hard to keep customer satisfaction and deliver things in a really great way. So, can you talk to me a little bit about you've kind of reached this place where you have these customers that are traveling really far and they're getting starting Reddit, uh, you know, subreddit stuff on Reddit, and they're just passionate. How do you guys capture all that and deal with that? Because I know it's a hard job for a brand to manage.
2: Uh, I do know. <laughs> Well, and next question. It, right? No, I'm next question. <laughs> I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> kidding. I'm totally kidding. Let's, let's
2: talk about these. And it, it's bourbon enthusiasts. enthusiasts. We'll call Great them word. enthusiasts. Great word. Yes. Let's not use words I'd like to use. <laughs> bourbon enthusiasts in Ohio. And we've seen the sentiment change, thankfully, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, we are a very fortunate model, a very fortunate control state. So, I think number four across the nation in bourbon sales. And that's behind California, Florida, and Texas. So in comes Ohio, right? Like who, who saw that coming? Right. I think in total spirit sales, somewhere around number two in the nation, definitely number two in all 17 control States. So buying power, we offer brands a place to grow, not just sell because of our marketing capabilities. We are constantly communicating. And again, back to that in, intentional transparency, mm-hmm. I don't want to sit on these bottles and, and a little bit of the nitty gritty, right? The bottles sitting in the locations that sell our liquor, they don't belong to that store. They still belong to the beverage system. They still belong in our books. So I don't want to sit on it. I want it sold. I want people to come find that product. So creating these opportunities to say, come to the store, come get it. It's here. It, come buy it. That's intentional. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can talk about Well, I was going to say too,
3: it's, you know, we have a responsibility to, sell products fair and equitable. So putting them in smart places, like Lorraine said, where they're not sitting, but also maintaining safety of that location for these enthusiasts, it is not a blessing and a curse, but it's kind of, it kind of is because you want people that aren't always able to get to the store when it opens to purchase that product, which is why we have lotteries and why we do... Special drawings and offerings and things like that, just to give more folks a chance at that highly allocated bottle. And it's difficult sometimes, but I think since I've been here, you know, seeing people in their sentiment has kind of changed a little bit, at least on social media. You know, we will get kudos for how we do things in Ohio because we are in that unique position where we can. It doesn't mean it's easy, you know, and fun all the time, but we certainly do try to give our consumers an opportunity to enjoy their favorite product that they may otherwise not be able to.
1: Yeah. And we talked to a lot of marketers on this podcast. We've had a couple of guests that um, a a trend is in marketing. You got to try things. Not everything is going to go great. You're going to have mistakes, some failure, and it's all about learning from that and continuing to plow forward and, and improving that. And so it's easy for Nike, you know, recently last week, the Nike app was trending on Twitter. And if you clicked on the the hashtag, it was just all trash about how people are so annoyed with the fact that the Nike app is rigged because they can't get to the particular shoe. And, and, um, and so I think that's the price, I guess, of having a, a really high end demand brand and, and all you can do is, is try to deliver in your best way there.
0: Right. Yeah. Fair and equitable. That's mm-hmm, the plan. hmm Let's talk about that balance though, because you all have to balance a lot when you think about how to market, what your marketing strategy is, what your brand strategy is. You have to consider safety and fun all at once of the products that um, you are promoting. Um, You have to think about promoting sort of these favorite products or these exclusives versus lesser known products, lesser known because maybe they're being made by somebody in Ohio who hasn't really had a chance to have the same type of like marketing budget of a big brand or the same sort of exclusive rights. Um, You have to think about sharing the stories behind the products versus just helping them be easy to find in stores and letting people know where they can go um, to get the basics. How do you balance so many needs in your marketing strategy? I mean, I know we've talked a lot about fairness and transparency and safety being top pillars. But what are the tenants that you kind of hold dear to your brand and to the marketing strategy that you deploy? Oh, gosh.
2: I mean, it's always fairness. It's always an eye towards, did everybody get a chance to participate? Did everybody get a chance to be included in something that we were doing? So no, it's tough. It really is because we've got over 400 suppliers of Spiritus Liquor. So all 400 of them have to be treated 100% equally and fairly. And to your point, greater brands or bigger marketing budgets versus lesser brands lesser marketing budgets. When you come to Ohio as a brand and you sell your products, you're pretty much always getting an opportunity of everything we offer. You're getting opportunity at email to over, what is our over 50,000 mm-hmm. subscribers. Mm-hmm. You, you for sure have a place on our website at all times. And that's over 2.1 million clicks in the past month, I believe it was. So you have a shot at being seen in a store by one of our locations. Um, so when you come to Ohio to sell a brand, you're getting the whole kit and caboodle, if you will, of opportunity that a major brand like a Diageo may already be doing for themselves. It's not easy. We balance a lot of personalities. We balance a lot of fairness, um, but fairness really is the right answer, Billy. It's at the top of everything we do.
0: And fun. Don't forget. I think for a liquor brand, like
2: oh yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> no. a little bit of fun
1: here it's, and there. It's a little <laughs>
2: bit of fun. It's um, it's interesting because I I've been. With my team, we wanna be seen as fun, right? We wanna talk about fun things like cocktails and what's your latest thing you're drinking and what do you enjoy. But when you come down to it, that fairness, but it's the operations of this business. It's we have come a long way. And if anybody wants like the backstory, right? We started as a true legit dumpster fire in 2016, 17. We've come a long way. I said it. We were a dumpster fire. You can ask <laughs> me for that too. We for may that. have used that. Before. We've had a, a huge focus on moving our operation forward. We never rest on our laurels. You mm-hmm. said earlier about learning from mistakes every day. Every day mm-hmm. we're learning something new, how to change what was said in an email, how to adapt a Facebook post, how to respond through our mm-hmm. call center, how to answer an email or respond to a report. Every single day, there is something new to learn and something to cause change that moves us forward. I was going to just
3: add to that. I think something that our leadership values is hearing from folks who may have an idea about how we could do something a little differently. And that's not just white noise. That's true. We do have a team that is receptive to hearing ideas and we'll look at business operations to see if that makes sense. If there's an element of that we can incorporate. I mean, we are constantly thinking of new ways of doing things because in this business, things change pretty quickly and we want to keep up. We are, in fact, a business. We want to op- we operate like one. And so hearing from folks who may have a suggestion that email the LESC, you know, that will get to me and we'll look at it and try to see what we can do. Yeah. So that's something that I'm proud of personally and professionally is that we just do things the way we do things because we've always done them that way. That is not us. That's not Ohio liquor.
1: And I know technology has been a big part of the growth, the expansion and the challenges that have existed. Like a lot of I'm, I'm every listener, I'm sure can point to, yeah, we had that really complex platform challenge or whatever. So it's common. How has technology and the decisions you've made, particularly over the last couple of years, been a part of reaching Ohioans in a better, more effective way, and being able to deliver this great experience that you're talking about? Can you talk about tech a little bit?
2: Yeah, I'll start with the foundational tech, which is inventory management. Back to that dumpster fire, right? We couldn't track product very well. We couldn't pay our suppliers very well. We didn't know what was coming into the warehouses at the time. We didn't know what was leaving the warehouses at the time. So our foundational technology shift happened in 2017 and put us on a platform where we it's I, it's funny i mean we know where every bottle is we always say we know where most every bottle is we know where every single bottle of high proof spiritus liquor is in the state and so at the foundation it was our inventory management that was the core to technology shifts that shift then allowed for store growth, actually adding new stores, the first net new store in 2018 in over 20 years, I want to say net new, not just new, but mm-hmm. net new. So really that foundational technology platform made the the biggest change for here in Ohio. But um, if you want to talk about the marketing.
3: Well, I was going to say too, you know, trying to make these challenges more of opportunities and seeing the website as something that we could use to hold these select store lotteries if you will that was a great example of of hearing from somebody who we have a highly allocated product how can we get it into the hands of our consumers quicker and have our stores help us do that we couldn't have done that without technology and you know it wasn't perfect the first time but we've learned from it and now we're The select store lottery is kind of a a model going forward that we'll lean on. But I think looking at those challenges as opportunities and then getting together with the team and trying to figure out how we can tweak this language, this functionality, we're very fortunate in in the fact that we can do that and pivot quickly if we need to, too. So
0: we have big technology listeners. Are you able to share? What you use for inventory management, what you use for CRM, what you're using for analytics. Uh, Do some name dropping if you're willing to.
2: (laughs) We can name drop. Uh, So inventory management is uh, Microsoft Dynamics, currently AX 2012, but moving to the cloud. So we'll be on D365 early next year. Uh, Let's see, we have Braze as our CRM. Uh We have... Willow Tree managing our website. I don't know if you guys have heard of. Have heard about Willow but... Tree? <laughs> we have Google Analytics. I believe is that. I, I think you're yeah. right. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm a <the> marketer. Yeah, <laughs> all that data. Stuff. No. So uh, those are some mm-hmm. of our big, meaty platforms. Mm-hmm. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about. We have ServiceNow for our call center, which is the Liquor Enterprise Service Center. That is literally the only phone number and email anybody in Ohio needs to know to reach us. And so for that platform, they use ServiceNow. And it's fairly robust. I mean, we create a ticket. If you call, regardless if if we had first call resolution or not, there's a ticket, there's a timestamp, there's a who you are and how did we help serve you better? If we can't answer the phone when you call that moment, again, that ticket gets moved to the next person to help answer. Um, Great success with that platform as well.
1: And then uh, Lorraine, just from our work together, the only one I'll add, uh, Optimizely is kind of one of the reasons why uh, that platform's great for a brand in your scenarios. They can offer content management, but then also expand to commerce and kind of more of an e-commerce experience without having to bolt on another new platform. So yeah, that's a great set.
2: Yes, no, that was a great choice. That was um, when we decided to relaunch OHLQ.com, there were a lot of those decisions we hadn't had to make before because we had a homegrown website, truly homegrown, very B2B initially, and then homegrown to the public. So yeah, it was really beneficial having some help choosing all those platforms.
0: This is the time in our podcasting together that we like to switch to the very serious questions, learn a little bit more about you in particular. This one is my favorite. I always like to invite our guests to talk A little positive trash about a brand that you love and why do you love them?
2: Yes. (laughs)
0: Positive trash. Oh, boy.
3: I love Ohio liquor. No. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, I'll go. Let's see. I actually asked my husband this. I'm like, what brands do I love? Because I love Ohio liquor. I have young kids. I have a 13 year old and eight year old. Chick fil A. I love Chick fil A. (laughs) I love the branding. I'm also a farm girl, so I get the cow, right? So I, I love the branding. I love the consistency operational, because is also where my husband was extremely helpful. He's like marketing wise. Yeah. But I think if you pay attention to the operations of Chick-fil-A as a franchisee, they're all the same. You're going to be consistent. You're going to get what you want when you walk in, you're going to get a smiling face and you know, my pleasure. So to me, the operations of such a, a large organization is hugely impressive. So I'm always constantly like, how do they do that? What did they do differently? I'm a huge white house, black market fan. <laughs> they love Lorraine too mostly because I love that I can (laughs) be like oh I need pants and then I get how to wear those it's it's an experience and I'm never lost I'm never dead end I'm never stopped I'm constantly being flowed through like oh you just started with pants but I'm going to offer you the shoes and the necklace and and all this stuff and that was part of our conversation for ohlq.com was no dead ends I don't want somebody to get to a point in our own brand and bail because they were like, oh, I'm done here. I want to constantly feed you and keep you on our site. So yeah, Chick-fil-A and White House Black Market. You
3: know, those are, <laughs> Such those are two really good ones. No, I would say too, um, I have two daughters, one, <laughs> it's 12 and she is um, the biggest Lulu fanatic ever. She has more than I do, which I find something completely wrong with that. <laughs> but I like that it's not overwhelming with emails or with choices. You Walk in, it's a good in-store experience yeah. as well. I'm hoping that if they hear this, they will send me like coupons or something <laughs> um, or give me some points for my daughter. Yes. Um, but I would say, you know, back to our CRM project, you know, reminding myself, what I as a consumer would want. And and finding that um, with our emails, that was very important. And I think that those brands that just know frequency
2: and tone, <laughs> they're nailing it. And so I would say Lulu is probably mine. I want to add one more. Can I add one more? Because we're Ohio. This is what we do. I want to add to my list is oh, wait. Find it here. Oh, Ohio Find It Here. Ohio Find It Here. So we gotta give a shout out to our other government related partners. Because that's what Ohioans do. We love each other. So I would say that that's an actually, you know, coming from a government entity, how much fun is that you can see beautiful photos of all the places around Ohio that you should be visiting, touring, traveling to, staycation ideas. So um I do we do have to give a shout out to our our fellow other government. Yes. Yep, Ohio Find It Here.
1: Ohio, find it here. Awesome. Okay. And what about before, uh, just something to leave our listeners with, you know, you guys have um, been in multiple industries and have gotten to a, a great place in your career now. What's the best or the worst advice in, in your career that, that you've received? So somebody out there that's looking to maybe make a career shift or is feeling stuck, what's uh, either the best or, or worst career advice?
2: I've got the worst. I got got an email. I'd gone from agriculture to cellular technology. I worked for AT&T for nine years. First few months there, I got an email from a manager and the email said it was about what time you needed to show up for work. And the email said, do as I say, not as I do written in an email. So I shouldn't it, be telling my children. <laughs> children are different.
1: Children, are different. children yeah,
2: are different. Um, it wasn't advice, right? It wasn't something that somebody, but it, mm-hmm. it, stuck because I would never expect something of anybody who I work with or w- who works for me to do more than I do, to do something different than I would do it. So when I saw that question coming, that moment stuck out because then there was this whole consternation, this conversation about, well, wait a minute, you're not coming in until 10, but you expect us to be here at 830. And so again, I think I've gotten this far because it's again back to fairness and family mm-hmm. first. And I would never do less than I expect of my people.
1: That's great. What about you, Kristen?
2: The best advice
3: I think I was ever given was when I was contemplating. I was asked to apply for a position um, in my former life that would have been would have been a lot more responsibility, and I wasn't sure if I. I don't know. You know, I would love this opportunity, but I just don't know. And um, someone told me, "Well, why wouldn't they want you?" So go in and be confident and sell yourself. And I remember thinking that shift in paradigm that really resonated with me and stuck with me. So I thought that that was good advice. Like, why not you, you know, instead of why not me, you know? So I thought, oh yeah, okay. I thought that was good. Just a good confidence builder. I did get that
0: job too. So that was
3: good. Nailed it. That was a long time ago, but. (laughs) I love it.
0: And then I have one last one. What is your personal favorite cocktail or mocktail?
2: Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> cocktail is a uh, old fashioned. In all honesty, I drink my whiskey neat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's like um, you, like you shouldn't be. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no old fashioned Old fashioned.
1: Like a true expert, I guess.
2: Old fashioned <laughs> for sure. I really love, and again, thanks Willow Tree. Made a batch. I think it was the mock Bahama Mama. Mm how good is that? It was so good. Very refreshing, fun rim, something you could do you know, for kids or adults alike. So um, on our website, the Mock Bahama Mama is one of my favorites. I would agree with that as my mocktail. My favorite
3: cocktail is probably a French 75.
1: I don't know what that is. What's a French 75?
3: It's got champagne and gin yeah. and some peach, stuff. and it's just very, very refreshing. Check out the website, Billy. Grab a that website recipe. for that
2: website. <laughs> <laughs>
1: for, that. for all your recipes.
0: Where you send in folks? Tell us how to find you both personally, if people want to look you up at all. And then how do we find OHLQ?
2: OHLQ.com. Oh, OHLQ.com. Yes. Yep. And I'm on LinkedIn. If yes, anybody wants too. to follow or reach out, I'm happy to talk marketing and operations and supply chain and logistics and agriculture. So...
1: Lorraine and Kristen, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for uh, uh, talking both liquor, state government partnership uh, and all the unique ways that you guys have found ways to build a really cool brand centric uh, environment at OHLQ. Thanks so much for coming on to Room for Growth.
2: Thank you. Thank you both.